Don't miss Danny Kaye, Sandy Duncan, and Flip Wilson in a special musical production of Pinocchio, tomorrow night on CBS. Yes, that familiar theme music warns you that it's time once again for the Spud Goodman Radio Show, 60 minutes of audio on the Internet. So now, without further ado, here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, Accordion Joe. Because to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected, he wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man! Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Here he is, the head cheese meister of the world wide web. It's Spud Goodman! Greetings, I am Spud Goodman, and welcome to our radio program. If you will commit to spending an hour of your existence with us right now, there's a decent chance you won't look back and be pissed about it. Why? Because I think, and I'm not positive, but I think we have a pretty good show for you tonight. That's why. All right, with me is my temporary permanent co-host, uh, Mr. Gerald Holcomb. Now, that is something I do not stand behind. Uh, please make note of that disclaimer. Buddy, look at this! You don't need to worry about me holding up my end tonight, Spud, as I am so ready to get this show started. I, I got to tell you, I'm very si- excited to an- announce what I've been working on, and I think you and everyone what? associated with the show, you're going to be pretty darn happy with my efforts on behalf of the Spud Goodman Show. Well, that's quite a bold statement. Yeah. What are we talking about? You're leaving the show to join the Foreign Legion? No, 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 no. I'm working on something that just might establish you as a legitimate radio personality across this great nation. Go on. You know, I'd heard some rumblings, uh, you know, about something from the interns that something's going down. Yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I wanted to formally present this to everyone at yesterday's staff meeting, but I raised my hand to speak so many times it fell asleep. No one would call on me. So, uh, listen, nothing against our executive producer, Lori Madsen, but I don't feel she shows me the respect I deserve. Well, <laughs> I must plead guilty uh, to said charge also, yeah. but, but that's because I don't feel you deserve it. And don't oh. take that personal. Well... Oh, well, I'll try not to. Uh, listen, when, when my feelings are hurt, I just let it roll off my back because I know that inside your hearts, everyone on the show holds me in the highest regard. Really? All right, then. <laughs> so, d- do you want to know what I'm ready to announce? Yeah, I guess so. All right, okay, well, I would like to launch a Kickstarter effort to bring the Spud Goodman Show to NPR, National Public Radio. Yeah, I know what it is. The gold standard in radio broadcasting, Spud. National Public Radio, founded in 1970, replaced the National Educational Radio Network. NPR member stations are required to be non-commercial, have at least five full-time professional employees and operate for at least 18 hours per day. That's going to happen. I mean, they wouldn't touch me with a 50-foot pole. Well, NPR, you can't prevent I know, everything. I, NPR is like a, a gated community. 
They would never, ever give me the code to open the gates. Well, right now, I would not disagree with you, but with proper financial backing, any gate can be opened in this country. I've been working on this thing for the last month, and I got to tell you, it was hard to keep it to myself. I hope you don't mind me sharing this with our listeners live on the air, but, you know, they've stuck with you when others, and by that I mean mostly the rest of the human race, has turned their back on you. So let's let them into this conversation. They're part of the family when you think about it. They're going to be bored out of their minds listening to this, okay? I promised them a fascinating show tonight. You know, I... Could it wait to maybe next week? Is that show, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be standing behind. Well, I've already sort of let the cat out of the bag, and and now I need to lay it all out and see what everyone thinks. This is a bold move on our part, and if we handle it correctly, you will be saying goodbye to being on the fringe of society forever. Really? Listen, people respect radio personalities on NPR. No one will ever again look down their nose at this show if we can pull this off. Doors will open, and calls will be returned. I, I don't know how I feel about this. I need like a minute or so to process this. So I'm going to play some music right now. That always helps me focus. Listen, Tonight I, I, we're, I hate to interrupt we're gonna... you. I hate to interrupt. I, I'm sorry. But I, I needed to mention to you that we had to make a slight change in the music we're playing tonight, in the first hour at least, because we have to show that we're cultured and refined. So I, se- I selected a piece by Mozart, La Cidarem, from the chorus and orchestra of the Paris Opera. You'll thank me later for this, bud, when we've escaped the ghetto of radio obscurity. Uh, Someone hit play, please. Opera? Are you serious?
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. This is Billy Gardell, and you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. And that's that. Well, I am pumped that we have Huggy Bear on the show tonight. I'm a fan of Antonio Fargus. He was the best part of Starsky and Hutch. Uh, you know, I was also a fan of that show, but I found Huggy Bear to be a little scary as he was always in a dimly lit bar. Antonio's character, he was a real counterculture figure. He lived outside the mainstream of society. Uh, yeah, he was freaking Huggy Bear. Yeah. During that era, he was the coolest dude on TV. He may have only you know been on the screen for a few minutes each show, but he owned it when he was on. You don't think him being a police informant made his character kind of a sellout to the man? You don't know what he really told Starsky and Hutch. I mean, he hmm. might narc on a bad guy, but he would never give up a friend who might rob other crooks. I mean, he, he lived by the code, so he was no sellout. Oh. All right, get that straight. All right, all Just right. see if he's on the line. Uh, uh, yes, and I'm being told he is on the line and ready to go. I'd like to now welcome actor and musician Antonio Fargus to the show. How are you doing tonight, Antonio? <laughs> you got to be kidding. You talking about me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> actor, musician. Well, I guess I kind of resemble those remarks. After 55 years in the business this summer, It'll be 55 years. I started when I was 14, and and um, I kind of got the acting thing down a little bit, but I always wanted to be a musician. I always wanted to do some singing, and, and I finally found a platform where I can have those those dreams fulfilled with this uh, with this band that I started with another gentleman called the New Jump Blues. Yeah, I and saw. And we em. just go out there and have fun, and you know, and and have a you know, uh, I consider myself the Flavor Flav or the Ike Turner. There you go. Or uh, or the Louis Satchmo of this of this band, and you know, and I got these two great young singers who you know who who I mentor. I'm, I'm called Daddy Fargus. In, in, in New Jump Blues, and uh, it's good to be a, fa- a father and a, and a mentor and, uh, and, and to have fun at this age, at being you know, close to 69, I'll be 69 in August, and, uh, and if we go out there and have fun on stage and also have fun in, in, in the characters that I've played over the years, uh, it's been like you know a real gas, man. Well, I saw a video of the band. You, you guys are really good, but I hope the band knows it's it's called Antonio Fargus and the New Jump Blues. So if you ever quit, they're gonna have to change the damn name. I just thought I'd throw that out. So uh... <laughs> I mean, we we have fun, and and it's all about being generous. You know, I like staying in the background. I've you know I've been in the background all my career, playing roles that are not upfront, but great great support. For, for for the purpose of telling the story, for the purpose of making, you know, being a part of a team in terms of Starsky and Hutch, being that guy who, you know, who, who I like my position. You know, I, right. I do the dirty work, you know, right. and I'm, I'm loving doing the dirty work for the New Jump Blues, and and now, now, wow, you know, I'm sitting, I'm the third day on the job as the ambassador, the brand ambassador for for the cable television show. Uh, yeah, I was going to get into that. Called I was going to get into TV. That. Yeah. So, um, well, let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, so you're now the spokesperson for NBC's Cozy Channel, um, which airs some of the greats from the past: Six Million Dollar Man, Charlie's Angels, Magnum PI, The Bionic Woman, and other favorites. Did you get to pick any of the episodes they're airing? Because I mean, who knows more about those shows than you? <laughs> well, I think that's what they thought because you know I was part of the that 
golden era uh, you know, era of television, and uh, and Starsky and Hutch was one of the one of the, one of the favorites of, of fans then and 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 still today. I mean, we're still talking about Starsky and Hutch, and it's this year happens to be the 40th anniversary since 40th. Uh, anniversary since we did uh, the pilot for Starsky and Hutch. And uh, excuse me, Antonio. <laughs> okay. Is Antonio a cool guy or what? Could you please hold your comments until I'm done here? Well, I know, but he seems like such a great guy. And I, I, <clears throat> Antonio, I'm sorry about that. Um, okay, where was I before my temporary co-host interrupted me? That's temporary permanent. Antonio, I should disclose I've long been a huge Huggy Bear fan, as you were the best thing on Starsky and Hutch, which was, which was a very cool show. But I want to begin this with a question about your early work in film. For instance, Cleopatra Jones, Foxy Brown, and you're also in Shaft, right? <laughs> you know, and, and I, did a film, I did a film called Across 110th Street with Yafet Koto and Anthony Quinn and, and Tony Franciosa. Wow. And the guy who directed that show was named, that movie was Barry Shear. I did it in New York. I was just a young, hungry actor and uh, playing all these, you know, character parts that I, you know, that, that, that sort of came from, from me watching life in, in New York uh, and representing those street characters. So I, I played that role in there. His name was Henry J. Right. And, uh, and then... When I get to Hollywood, after you know, saying knowing that I had to go to Hollywood and if I wanted to do television and all that, and I'm a hungry actor in New York in, 19, in L.A. in 1974, and I get a call from 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 Aaron Spelling and uh, to my agent saying that Barry Shear was recommended me and he was directing a pilot for ABC Television called Starsky and Hutch. Wow. And and so that's how that that happened. And, I know okay. you're really busy. I know you're really busy working on films right now, but I have to ask at least one Starskin Hutch question. On the show, you owned a bar called Huggy Bears, and later it was renamed The Pits. It didn't look like the bars on other TV shows. Your bar looked like it had a lot of action, more fun than say like the bar on Cheers. That place looked well, really I, boring. Well, I had a, I had a lot of Pam Greer endowed um, waitresses. Yeah. And we had a, we had a whole lot of fun. In fact, one of the waitresses on the show was named was Gwen Adair, and she uh, she turned out to be the first female in the in the in the uh, boxing hall of fame because she became a famous uh, uh, referee. Wow! And uh, and that was uh, she was she was special. But yeah, I mean they had to keep moving Huggy around because they wanted to keep him around. He was a street guy. Then he he owned the bar, you know. And then it was the pits, and you know it was sort of the go-to set where the stars and us could end up, maybe get some information and. Uh, and and uh, and use a time where they could have some comic relief even in in the show because I mean they carried the comedy they carried the drama but uh, but but Huggy brought 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 the flavor. Well, uh, one last Starsky and Hutch question: You were so popular as Huggy Bear. Did you ever talk to the producers and ask to get co-billing on the title like Starsky Hutch and Huggy Bear because you ruled that show? I'm just saying. No, what happened was they 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 came up with a pilot. Uh, opportunity was called Huggy Bear and the Turkey. They were thinking about doing a spinoff, and I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen. You know, I, I, I realized almost the same thing in Henry Winkler. They wanted to get, they, everybody was saying, well, why don't Henry have your own show and you could do this and all that? But he stayed there, 
and and had a wonderful wonderful run and I'm glad that I stayed all four years you know with the guys and 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 played out my contract and did and 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 helped create history with those guys um TV's been a big part of your life, though. You have done a bunch of movies. Do you personally watch much TV? Is it like working in a donut place where you just are too burned out on the stuff to get excited about another bear claw? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a good consumer of my own product. Um, well, let me let me hit you with the family front. Your, your son, Justin, played running back in the NFL. Did, did he ever give boy. you any old helmets or mouthpieces as souvenirs? Oh, boy. I've got a bunch of stuff and a bunch of memories. You know, he... You know, he had the, the honor and and an opportunity to play with Tom Brady at Michigan when he yeah. started his career right out of high school. He was the number one of the number one running back coming out of high school. Chose Michigan, played with Tom, broke his leg, had to fight his way back on, and then decided to go to USC and call Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll gave him an opportunity to play with Carson Palmer and Troy Palomalo. Yeah. Got that whole dynasty going over there. And then you don't pick your you don't pick your parents or the team that drafts you. But he got drafted by a venerable you know venerable organization that just came from the Super Bowl that came out of the Super Bowl uh, the last Super Bowl and that which they lost with with the rate played with the Raiders yep so the Raiders drafted him and it's been it was like seven and still going on they're still rebuilding well let me let me ask you you obviously attended a lot of Raiders games did you ever participate in the tailgate activities out front because it's pretty uh, in front of the Coliseum because <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild it was pretty wild well you know I had to I had to tread lightly because they knew that I was dad, Justin Fargus's dad and and so when I would go through there they were all the huggy huggy it was it became a but no it was the Raider fans were fantastic yep. I mean uh, they're, Justin, they're committed Justin could tell you that and you know and and that was the wonderful thing about about the spirit was that was around that stadium all those all those folks did want to win and they had a their own swagger and all of that and they took on the persona of the team. And of, and of Al Davis, and it was a wonderful time, man. It was a wonderful time being part of the Raider Nation. Yeah, well, Antonio, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to check in with us tonight. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Have fun. Mr. Antonio Fargus. Appreciate you much, man. Thank you. All right. When you go to shop in the morning, when you go to shop in the evening, when you shop in the morning at noon or at night, ask for the beer that tastes just right. Go to the store that treats you right. Cause we know we're getting our money's worth. Cause we know we're getting our money's worth. Ask for the beer that tastes just right. 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 Now you perk up just like that. It, it happens, happens every time, time a fella gets a new hat. So don't put it off. Go get the new hat. 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 And you and your sweetie will ask for the beer that tastes just right. Hey! I'm not fooling. I'm not fooling. I'm not fooling. No, sir. Hey! The Spud Goodman Show. It has some merit. Hey, you really think not having a live band in the studio here tonight's a good idea? Uh, I think it's a big, big mistake. That's my favorite part of the program. Yeah, well, both Lori, our executive producer, and I felt it was a smart way to go. NPR listeners are not exactly into the rock music you like so much. Uh, it's way too loud and 
Well, it's annoying. Annoying? Well, it's the screechy guitars and the screaming vocals. Those kinds of sounds can disrupt the digestive system, cause white-collar professionals, the type of demo we need with this show, to tune us out. Well, what's the song we're playing here? Well, this song was written by Beethoven. You may have heard of him, Spud, huh? Beethoven. Yes, yeah, I think you have. It's called Fur Elise, and it's performed by Jean-Bernard Pommier. Trust me, the listeners we need to attract will love it. Uh, Someone on the board, hit play, please. You know, this this show's starting to sound like a dentist's office. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Don't touch that mouse. Spud will be right back in just a moment. Spud Goodman, don't let me let me in tears. Spud Goodman, don't let me for drinking my beers. He takes the spatula and puts it in the pan And while he does that, I just don't understand He grabs some Pepto for quick relief His indigestion is beyond belief Spot Goodman! Spot Goodman! Spot Goodman Show! Hi, this is Christopher Walken. And you're listening to a guy whose voice is really weird. 
It's Spud Goodman. Keep it here. I'm going to punch your family in the face. Pow. Uh, Spud, who, who played that last musical bump? That's not what we're going for here. I told him to play it. Uh, I, oh, well. L- listen, uh, there's a guy calling in. Uh, they're telling me he sounds like he's from another country. Is he from that site that hosts our show in Germany again? Uh, well, we don't want to be ugly Americans one more time, so yeah, put him through. Uh, this is not a man. It's it's uh, her. It's her. Yeah, yeah. You know what? She must have pulled the old switcheroo one more time. You know, people do that. They call into shows and then they talk. Someone else talks to our interns that are screening the calls. Well, you think? I mean, you know yeah. who this is, though, right? Her name is Shavana, and she's called in a couple times. Last time, a few weeks ago, before she got cut off. I remember. You remember? Okay, fine. Yeah. Yep. You know? Okay, but I, I, yeah, we went out on one date. I told you about her. I didn't think we are going to have to deal with it again. I made a simple mistake on Match.com. Said I was fluent in Cambodian. I, I, I think she also thinks I used to be a Cambodian ambassador. That's ridiculous. Well, how, how the heck did that happen? It sure wasn't from checking the wrong box on that. No, no, we were having a few drinks at a bar, and I was telling her about me, and I guess I messed up my words. Um, you know, she was sure a lot more friendly, though, when she thought I had some juice in this country. Hello, Spud Goodman, what's your problem? I thought you liked me. Did you meet someone else, huh? Uh, no, hello, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we don't want to offend a whole country here, so we need to handle this diplomatically. Yeah. I, I take it you do not want to set up another date with Chavana? Well, I, I don't think it'd be a good idea. You, you yeah. know, in other countries around the world, first date behavior is interpreted a whole lot different than here in the U.S. Because mm-hmm. if I had known, you know, sleeping over at her place meant I was proposing marriage, I, I would have blocked myself. Welcome to Man. Space exploration. You slept with her on the first date? No call? Well, you know, I, I, I don't blame her for being I just spaced. Yeah. I get it. Bad decision, okay? Not yeah. much chance of me now avoiding the ugly American tag, right? I, I think she just asked if you would adopt her, or no. she might have been asking if you would take her out on your yacht. Yeah, uh, she might have mentioned the boat thing because I, I think I did tell her I owned a boat, I, I kind of maybe a big boat, kind of like a hill. I think it was a helicopter pad. I think I told oh. her about that. I had a few double vodka tonics. Yeah. You know how I get. Okay, we gotta get out of this. You know, we might want to send this one of the interns outside and guard the door. I think she just said she was gonna send a squad of PE teachers to invade this station, or 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 she might have meant she was going to take a nap. Now I'm not sure. Um, I'm pretty sure she she said she's coming over, and and, and, and I think we need to take a look at the door. Good thing that this station's address is unlisted. At least it was. Hopefully, it still is. Uh, I'll check that out, but we should terminate this call first. Yeah, right. Okay. Hey, Shavana, Shavana, I will email you. I will email you. Bye, bye. Well, all right. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. We're gonna be back in a sec. All right. gluten-free. I now only eat food that is gluten-free, as I want to be the healthiest person I can be. I will never again eat stuff that tastes good to me, and also now things smell a little different when I pee. I will die a very healthy but sad man, you see, as now I only eat food that is gluten-free. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, uh, uh. Uh. 
we sure got the surprise of our lives. But are you familiar with how this Kickstarter campaign is going to work for the program? I, 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 yeah, okay. You've heard of it. I, yeah. I, think, I think we're going to need to raise around $500,000 to get the executives at NPR to take our show seriously. Half a million dollars yeah. from my listeners? These people are just like me. We can all barely afford cable. Man, this idea, it's just, it's obviously dead on arrival, man. Well, don't, don't be so negative. Do you know how many people have used crowdfunding efforts to make movies, albums, other projects? You think Zach Braff was too proud to ask for help in making his movie, Wish I Was Here? Yeah, but he took a lot of crap for it. I mean, people said, why does a big-time Hollywood star need to tap a funding source that people with no resources at all desperately need to make stuff happen? Well... Okay, then. How do I say this? You're not exactly in Zach Braff's station in life, so to speak. He is a famous movie and TV star, and you are... Well, you are not. Let's, we'll just put it that way. Well, why would $500,000 get me on NPR? But even highly prestigious organizations like NPR need and value programs with impressive financial backing. In 2010... NPR revenues totaled $180 million, with the bulk of revenues coming from programming fees, grants from foundations or business entities, individual contributions, and sponsorships. We sit down with them in a meeting and disclose that we have that kind of budget to start with. They're going to take us very seriously. Hell no, you can't! Listen, they may not have commercials on that network, but they still value money. Federal funding, which NPR receives through the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, amounts to approximately 2% of NPR's overall revenues. I value money, too. I just don't have any, and most of my listeners don't either. Well, we're going to have to offer some serious incentives to drum up support. That's how these things work. You give away free stuff because people always love free stuff. Yeah, I know that. How, how about some Spud Goodman Show t-shirts? We have a bunch of those. and uh, Hats, too. I guess, but I don't think a free t-shirt or hat is going to get us to a half a million bucks. Well, I realize that. No way. We'll have to be creative in our approach. That's why I thought it would be a good idea to bring this up on air so our listeners could give us some feedback on what service they would be interested in. You, you know, they could email the show, let us know. Uh, I think we should offer you up for, let's say, $25,000 donation. What? You'll come over and cook a family dinner, maybe entertain them afterwards, a little comedy. You could play some music on their stereo in the living room. Look, I'm a pretty good cook, but I only know how to prepare like four or five things. So, well, you know, if... if if they'd be into like some kind of hamburger helper kind of meal, you know, I could probably pull that off. But twenty five grand? No, I mean they're gonna they're gonna want some really expensive wine or something to make it worthwhile. Americans love a winner. I'll tell you what, you let me worry about that. I also was thinking you could offer to wash their car, say five five thousand dollars a pop. To wash their cars? And, and wax it, too. Spud, to raise this kind of money, we're going to have to be resourceful. I'm well aware of the demographic profile of the average listener of yours, so we'll yeah. have to go with the quantity over quality philosophy. Now, sure, it would be nice to have a couple of rich benefactors. I, I mean, yeah. th that's how most shows on NPR operate. They, they get a, a multinational corporation uh, to underwrite their show. Uh, don't get your hopes up, but I did send out emails to Exxon and also Coke Industries to see if uh, there was any interest there. Yeah, that, that's going to happen. Well, hey, well, right now, why don't you see if our next guest is holding, all right? All this money talk is giving me a headache. Oh, okay. G give me just a second here. And Oh, yeah, they are telling me that Josh Wolf is now holding on the line. Okay, and I want to ask him what it was like working for Chelsea Handler. Oh, yeah. And is it me, or, or does it seem like most every male comedian between 30 and 50 has worked on her show? I mean, we've had a few of them on 
two or three or four of them on our show. When that when when Chelsea's show went off the air, it, it must have impacted unemployment statistics, yeah, at least in Hollywood. Well, yeah, you know, the wife and I both really enjoyed watching Chelsea's, Chelsea's show. She is spirited, I guess I would say. Yeah. Actually, my wife Rachel reminds me so much of Chelsea. Although without the potty mouth, of course. You know, your wife, Rachel, and Chelsea are two women I would not want to, you know, run into in a dark alley. I can handle myself, oh, but... L- listen, you do I, not want to mess with my wife yeah. in any fashion. She has made the mailman cry on many occasions when he's running late on his route. And don't even ask how angry she gets when the cable goes out. Well, just put Josh through, okay? Okay. Please say hello to comedian, actor, and writer Josh Wolf. Uh, hey, we appreciate you taking a break to phone in tonight. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, Josh, you were on uh, Chelsea lately a bunch, and we have had a number of others who are also a part of uh, her posse, uh, Joe Coy, Chris Frangiola, and a few others. You know, I asked this question of everyone who was on that show. Did Chelsea make you wet your pants when she got pissed? Because she scares the hell out of me. Well, listen, man, that sounds like a personal sexual preference that you have. Well, maybe. That is not. (laughs) Yeah, no, not for me, man. Like, look. I enjoyed her. Um, I she was incredibly honest, and that is all I can ever ask of anybody. And sometimes you like what she said, and sometimes you didn't. But at the end of the day, I, I just like the fact how the incredibly honest she was. And not only that, Joe got it way worse than most of us. So if Joe peed his pants a little bit, I would understand. Now, everybody actually said that it was no big deal, but I just, maybe it's just me because, I mean, she's a really talented woman. I just, she just looks like if she wants to unleash, uh, it would be, uh, yeah, it would be intense. That's all I'm saying. But, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 no. She could let you have it, for sure. Um, she could let you have it. Yeah, all right. Um, hey, you've been in two different meeting rooms while doing uh, a TV series, as you've also been a writer on a couple sitcoms, too. Uh, that's kind of like digging ditches or construction work compared to being in front of the camera, right? Because you actually have to work a lot, right? Well, I mean, depends. What do you call work? If Listen, the writer's room, yeah. you're sitting around with a bunch of other people telling incredibly inappropriate jokes for eight hours a day. If that sounds like digging ditches to you, my friend, well, then I would go get a job digging ditches. That, no, it's fun, man. Those writers' rooms, you sit around with other just incredibly funny people who have no line for right or wrong, and then they tell jokes. Some of the most inappropriate, the, the writers' room is where you'll hear the most appropriate jokes anywhere in the entire world, ever, at any time. It's amazing. Oh, I was not equating uh, uh, being a writer on a sitcom to being heavy-duty labor. I was making the analogy rather poorly, as it turns out, that compared to being in front of the camera, when oh, you show up, yeah. hit your mark, do your stuff, and go home. Uh, it, there, it's on the other. You've been on both sides, so would you agree that the writers' room's a little bit more uh, labor-intensive in hour in terms of hours, at least? Hours for sure. But you know the one thing the writers' room have, which I like. It has anonymity, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if I write a terrible joke and Chelsea tells it, told it, she, people would label her as not funny. And I could still go home. Good point. And crack open a beer and be like, whew, she shouldn't have picked that joke. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, yeah. All right. Um, well, hey, you, you once interviewed Bill Gates for a Microsoft yeah. in-house video. Was that the current sweet and benevolent Bill Gates, or was that when he was still chewing up staff for snacks? Um, I will tell you something. You know, it was, the, it was a really 
interesting interview because they told me Bill Gates only does one take. He, he'd stick to the scripts because he's not going to do more than one take. He's busy. And I said, okay. And I stuck to the scripts, but he didn't. And he told the joke. And I laughed. And I tried to hold my laughter in because I knew we only had one take. So I laughed out of my nose and I blew something out of my nose onto his wrist. Well... I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm sure he handled he handled it fine. I mean, that's just part of the game. I mean, how many times have all of us expelled various substances out during performances? He, he didn't have, he wasn't a baby, was he? I have to tell you, he handled it better than I would have. Somebody shot a snot on my wrist, I'd have said something. All right. Dude, didn't he? He didn't say anything. Yeah. He And he was casual. And at the end of the interview, he just kind of wiped the snot off his wrist and walked out of the room. I couldn't believe it. Right, I was man. like, this dude is like. He's like the like complete control. An Iceman, huh? Control. Wow. All right. I, I would Wait, not have me, guessed I, that. Don't think I'm going to glaze right past the part where you said that at work a lot of us expel bodily fluids. Well, do you mind? Do you happens. mind if, getting into that a little? Like, well, I mean, my work lot? environment might be a little different than yours, but uh, and I'd probably yeah. rather keep. Our, uh, our, uh, you know, our operation a little bit. You know, I mean, all I can say is it gets a little crazy at times, and things do. Uh, they're exchanged. Let's just leave it at that. Exchanged. No, that's the probably best way to say it. So, um, it, it really uh, it paints a horrible visual for what you're doing right now while we're talking about the phone. Oh, I know. But and, and if you tack on the actual visual, it would yeah, you would you would you would hurl. But um, <laughs> so you know, that's why we do radio. You know, you're on a, you're a television. Uh, and actually, uh, have you done any film at all? No, you know I haven't. I haven't done any film. Um, I wrote a movie, mm-hmm. but I haven't I haven't done any film. I will tell you something. I don't know. Honestly, like I like stand up so much because of the immediate response. Right. I talk to some of my friends who do film, and they'll do a scene, and they'll have to do that scene just because of different camera angles and takes, like twenty times. And I don't know if if I have the mental stick-to-itiveness to do that. Right. Right. Well. As a performer, you've had a few development deals, right? Where you got paid yeah. to basically sit and wait for a project to get the green light. How how weird is the waiting process on, on those deals? Um, it's nerve-wracking. You know, for, I should say, my first one, you go through different stages. My first one, I didn't quite understand. I figured, oh, once they're giving me a deal and they're t- everyone at the network is talking about how exciting they are, that it's going to be on TV for sure. So I was spending money before I had it. Right. Yeah. And then... Yeah, no, no, and it was a huge letdown. And the second one, I, I was um, excited, but I didn't spend any of the money, but I was still really confident. And by the third, the fourth, and the fifth ones, once I got the deal, I didn't really think about it. I developed the show, but I didn't think about it again. I would rather be surprised than disappointed. And, you know, crying in your Cheerios just is not too attractive as a grown man. No, but and sometimes you know you get paid to kind of go away, which I mean you really think about it. It's where else in the world would that kind of deal go down? You know, so it's not bad. Yep, it's the wonderful and crazy thing about Hollywood, which is they literally might pay you to do nothing. Yeah, dang, only in America. Uh, I know. Hey, Spud. While I was sitting here, I just Googled Josh, and did you know his cousin is actor Scott Wolf? You know, from Party of Five? Uh, excuse me, Josh, just for a second. Okay. No, I did not. What's your point? Well, I don't have a point. I just thought it was interesting because I saw that you interviewed him on your old Fox show. I was checking out your YouTube channel the other night. Look, I'm not going to ask him about a relative. That would, like, bug the crap out of me. Can I get back to this freaking interview? Well, sure. I'm just trying to help here. 
Uh, sorry about that, Josh. Yeah. Well, Josh, you once hosted a show for the Discovery Channel called Shark After Dark, and that must have been a cool experience because I'm heavily into anything with shark or tornado attached to it. So, pretty cool. It was actually the, my favorite thing that I've done yet. It was a live, hour-long talk show where we talked about sharks, which I like. Um, and we had people come on, like we had shark attack survivors. We had some, and they came on and told us about their experiences. It was a crazy show, uh, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I won't be doing it this year. I'm a little bummed out. Uh, if you hear some beeping, I just got in my car. You hear that? Oh, that's cool. That's fine. We, we deal with people in all sorts of different settings. Um, um, no but yeah, I mean, last year on Shark After Dark, uh, one of the guys from The Walking Dead stabbed me with a knife. Whoa. Which one? That was amazing. Which cast member? Um, um, Abraham, Michael Cutler. Okay, all right, super. Uh, but you never had any tornado uh, uh, situations attached to the sharks, though, right? It was just strictly sharks? Well, Tara Reid came on the show. Okay, there you go. Super. All right. If you want, if you want to get an afternoon or an evening chuckle, go on the YouTube. Yes. Which is on the which is on the internet. Yes. And. Go on there and go ahead and Google Tara Reid, Shark After Dark interview. And her brain basically broke in the middle of the interview. But it was fun to watch. Oh, we like those kind of situations. All right, I already wrote that down. All right, so I'm there as soon as uh, the show's over with tonight. Um, well, Josh, uh, you currently have a podcast. Uh, what's it called and where can people find it? It's on iTunes. It's called Off the Rails with Josh Wolf and Sarah Colonna. And so Sarah and I, and Sarah is engaged to John Ryan, who's the punter for the Seahawks. Oh, super. Um, and um, so it's exactly what the title says it is. It's off the rails. There's, we don't really stick to any rules. And once we try to get on a topic, we can never really stay on it. But uh, a lot of fun. Um, and we have the most intense, uh, nuttiest callers, I think, in, in the podcast land. So it's a good time. It's fun. Super. All right. And they can find it on iTunes. Great. Mr. Josh Wolf. Thanks, man. All right, man. You take care, all right? Bye-bye. So I walk into the weed store, and I'm like, are those blueberry muffins? And the guy was like, yeah. And I said, uh, does that have weed in it? And he said, yeah. And I was like, I'll have a blueberry muffin. So my weed store has like a little area where you can smoke and watch DVDs and shit. And I just put in Chappelle season one. Fucking great. And I'm literally licking my fingers when the guy runs in and he goes, you didn't eat that whole muffin, did you? Tell me you didn't eat that whole muffin right now all at once, did you? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, all right, listen, and I'm not f***ing around right now. Either give me the keys to your car or drive home right now. And I, I said, what? And he goes, I'm telling you, leave here right now or prepare to be here for eight hours. I was like, are you kidding me? He goes, you ate that whole muffin, man. He goes, I 
own this place. I would only eat half if I was at home. It's like, me. The Spud Goodman Show. Some people like it. You know, besides opera and classical, a large segment of the NPR audience enjoys new age music, Spud. Uh. It, it, it can be utilized to enhance various activities of their day, like meditation, tai chi, soul travel, and rolfing. I have to say, I'm going to draw the line at New Age stuff. That oh. crap is basically auditory styrofoam. Oh, I, I wish you wouldn't alienate such a large segment of potential donors by denigrating this music that is counterproductive to our efforts here to reach the affluent listener yeah. who might be willing to kick in substantial sums if they knew we also love this genre too. Yeah, but we don't love that genre of music. I mean, I myself, I hate that garbage. <laughs> of course he is joking, folks. So coming up next is a song titled Sacred Symbols. And we encourage anyone listening to commence whatever life-changing exercise you might want to participate in. Just let the beauty of the music move you. And should you feel motivated to donate to our fund, then by all means do so as our interns are standing by and on the phone ready to take your gift. Hey, we have like two interns and one phone. Don't you think you should at least be honest and say, no one is calling right now. Look at them over there. They're like, they're just sitting. I'm just saying. anymore, right? Oh. I'm sorry if we lost a bunch of deep pocket contributors by ditching out of that lame-ass piece of crap. That's not even a song. I don't know what it is. Oh, that was a mistake, Spud. I, I gotta tell you, if we don't meet our financial goal here tonight, look no further than this moment right now. Let's bring on this week's Out of This World segment. Now, that's not a bad idea. It's with Ted Marr. He's an interesting dude. Oh, People yeah. will like this. All right, all right. Well, listen, I have to believe NPR patrons are also interested in the paranormal world. So this could be a good match. I don't know if, if I believe everything you know, that people say, and it's specifically Ted, but just in case he is on the up and up, we should probably listen to every word he says. Mm -hmm. You know, because he does have his own radio show on KKNW, 1150 AM in Bellevue. It's broadcast each Friday, 2 to 4 Pacific time. So, I don't know. See if he's holding right now. Uh, okay. Um, oh, yes. Ted Marr is on the line and ready to speak with you, Spud. Good, because uh, I have a lot of questions I didn't get to ask him the first time he was on the show last week. Put him on. Uh, here he is. All right, please say hello to psychic and paranormal expert Mr. Ted Marr in his Out of This World segment, a new feature on the Spud Goodman Show. Are you there, Ted? 
Yes, I sure am. All right, super. As you said, the last time you were on the show, you were in reg- a regular contact with like dead people, or, or you have another term maybe. But So I'm guessing you chat with some of the world's greatest minds that are now six feet under, uh, right? I, I've been very fortunate, and they're all saying they're not dead. Okay, got it. <laughs> They'd like to argue with you on the, at that point. I, I guess their physical body's gone, but their soul remains intact, and they're still very much alive in, in, an, um, in another dimension. Oh, super. Well, have you communicated with Albert Einstein lately? That dude was pretty smart. You mentioned uh, on the first time you were on that you have spoke with him. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. What's wonderful he, man. What's on his mind? He's wonderful. He regrets ever um, initiating the, um, this, the, 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 the research into the atomic bomb. He thinks that that was one of his greatest mistakes in life. He regretted it. He's regretted it ever since. He felt like he was used to, uh, as a pawn during World War II. And that um, the, the atomic bomb, all it's done is brought destruction to, to, to planet Earth. Yeah, that's a given. That's for sure. Um, so if he had to do it over again, he might have called in sick or something when they called him to come into Los Alamos or somewhere. <laughs> well, he wouldn't have participated. And he certainly wouldn't have written the, the letter he did in 1939, he said, to President Roosevelt urging the, um, the research into the bomb. Been a, it was a mistake. I see. Yeah. He's but. Do you think Ted could ask Mr. Einstein if he had any friends who were not geniuses? Uh, I bet he had a tough time chatting with morons like us. Speak for yourself. I, mean, I could have carried on an intelligent conversation with Albert Einstein. I just wouldn't bring up anything to do with math, maybe science, and I don't know, there may be a few other areas. But anyway, let me get back to the dang interview. No problem. Go ahead. He says it's technology we never should have had um, because... Um, Here's something interesting he's telling me now. He says that the universe is teeming with life outside of this planet and that nuclear technology, nuclear weapons are actually banned outside of planet Earth. Earth is the only place in the Milky Way galaxy where um, humans use, where where nuclear technology is actually used the way we do it here. Wow, I did not know this. I'm writing that down. All right. Well, do you only communicate with smart dead people? Do you converse with some of history's dummies like General Custer or, or say, Dick Cheney? Well, I know he's still technically alive, but I say he's a cyborg or something at this point. Um, You may find this very interesting and out of this world, but um, Mr. Cheney is actually uh, completely controlled. He's not – he's human, but he's controlled by a – now oh, this goes into a long story. Um, he's actually controlled by some um, um, aliens called reptilians. Um, they've wow. um, super. They've controlled him for quite some time. Uh, he's actually not in full full um, um, control of his uh, free will. Um, for for people like that, um, you well, it, it goes into a long story about what's going on in this planet with the extraterrestrials. I've been in contact with with some extraterrestrials from what's called the Galactic Alliance. They're a benevolent, um, uh, very benevolent, uh, mostly human, not all, but highly highly advanced, uh, spiritually and technologically advanced um, uh, uh, alliance of, of races. They, they have 435 million planets in their alliance, uh, uh, comprising of approximately 7 trillion entities. Ted, my head is spinning. I, 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 this is, this is, this is um, unbelievable. <laughs> Well, the main the main person I've been in contact with is a, is a gentleman named Ambassador Trillian. Um, he's from the Ceres race, S-E-R-E-S, and um, they're here to help us. Um, and a decision was made by the prime creator, God, if you will, four years ago, uh, for them to uh, reverse um, the bad things happening on this planet and turn this 
planet into a much more happier and benevolent place. Our destiny as humans is, is to become far more happier and, and far more spiritually advanced than we are now. Nostradamus has told me, actually, that, that in the 2020s and 2030s, we will embark upon a thousand years of spiritual peace and prosperity. Really? And, yeah, and, and your show, my show, um, there are so many light workers out there who are actually um, helping this, this process along. But the kinds of things that I do now, in terms of uh, reading, uh, contacting people on the other side, um, doing readings, uh, remote viewing, reading people's minds, that'll become much more commonplace within the next uh, five, five to ten years. Wow. And um, believe me, we have a very, very bright future ahead of us. The doom and gloom predicted by some is not simply not going to happen. That's a for sure super. All right. Well, um, and I know we've got to go because they're telling me I'm out of running out of time. But um, in regards to General Custer, did, did he ever say to you, like, my bad or anything? He, did he ever bad, bad? He had a bad day at the office pretty much on that call. Well, I would need some time for the next program to contact him. Okay. Um, it's, a little, it's a little bit like placing a telephone call. Sometimes they don't answer. Sometimes they don't want to answer. Sometimes they're busy. He's probably embarrassed. Um, He's probably not going to pick up. Yeah, horrible decision he made. But all right, we'll tell you what. I, I, I got to get going here, but I want to thank you, Ted, for calling in and, and sharing because I know nothing about this stuff. Wonderful, Spud. Thank you so much for having me on. And if anyone would like a reading, I'd be happy to give them one. Super. Mr. Ted Marr and his Out of This World segment. My, how time flies. You know, this NPR Kickstarter idea of yours uh-huh. is, is crazy. It's just, it's just crazy, oh. you know? Uh, they're like the radio version of Yale, NPR is. You know, we both know I would never get into Yale. Mm-hmm. All those Skull and Bones dudes w- would make fun of me and this show. Yeah, yeah, you know what? NPR is the source of entertainment for the best and the brightest in yeah. this country. But... Who's to say that you can't be the one exception in the club? Uh, Now, you saw that movie with Robin Williams and Matt Damon, Goodwill Hunting, a janitor, and later he gets into MIT, Spud. Anything is possible. It It was a freaking movie, and MIT still isn't Yale. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they might be smarter at MIT, but they don't come from the same bloodlines. NPR is the kind of place where they would actually, you know, they maybe would ask me to park the Prius, but not actually let me go on the air. There's no way. Well, just keep your mind open. When you really look at it, there's not that much difference between the Spud Goodman Show and All Things Considered, Morning Edition, or Fresh Air. Yeah, except (laughs) hosts on those shows know how to actually use, like, algebra in their daily lives. I still have no clue what algebra is, and I had to take 101 twice at the community college level. Spud, you can't approach things in life with the attitude of what you can't do. Just remain open to what might be, because you never know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, get, I get your point. I mean, like this one time, I, I thought there was like no chance I could get up on one ski at the lake. Yeah. And, and at the end of summer, I almost did it. I stayed up for like, I don't know, eight, nine seconds. So I counted that as a semi-victory. There you see. So before you virtu- actually set up a meeting, you should immerse yourself in all things NPR. Try to listen to your NPR affiliate around here. Well, but that means I'm going to have to like Google a bunch of words they toss out that I have oh. no clue about. It takes a lot of work to listen to NPR. Yeah. And that's why I'm so proud of of my show. You can digest it so easily, and later you never knew you like wasted the last hour or two. Well, with a few slight modifications, I'm sure we can make the Spud Goodman Show NPR friendly. Prepare yourself for probably a long list of notes from their people after they hear our demo reel. W- what do you mean by that? Well, you don't think they'd just take the show as is, well, did you? 
this is the only show I know how to do. I, I just figured you would tell them we would do what they wanted, and mm. I would just do what I wanted to do. Just like now. I mean, I never listened to our executive producer, you know, what? or anyone else, actually, and things seem, seem to be going just fine. Well, if you want to remain a nobody, yeah, sure. But I, I thought we were on the same page here. My wife, Rachel, mentioned you might get a little resistive to making the necessary changes that well, we're going to need to do if we yeah. want to break out of Radio Ghetto. Radio Ghetto? Hey, I yeah. resent that accusation. This is my neighborhood you're trashing here. I live here. But I feel comfortable here. No one, no one in radio, I should say big time radio, will ever touch you in your current form. What? What? Am I that repulsive? Well, that's not the only issue. You don't fit the model of what all successful radio personalities look and sound like, but with a tiny bit of gift wrapping, I think we could still sell you to them as a work in progress. You know, a fixer-upper who could later be well worth the investment. What do you say? At your age, this could be your last shot at the big time. Yeah, I know that. After my cable TV deal at Fox was done, I, I knew I was never going to get another shot You know, at the big time, and, yeah. and that thing was just totally pure luck. I still don't know how it went down, and it lasted almost three years. So let's face it. I am a small-time host of a funky, not-so-popular radio show. I, mm. I'm okay with that. I mean, if, yeah. if we were some big-time show, there's no way in hell you'd ever been allowed on this program. You. I'm talking Me? to you. Me? So I'm at peace at where I'm at right now, so let's close this discussion. I need to end the show. All right. It's your call. But if you reconsider, let me know. I'll keep the channels of communication open with NPR. And, and you know, maybe we could still do a Kickstarter campaign, though. How about we try to buy a new air conditioner from the stu- for the studio here? Cause, yeah. Woo! Oh. Yeah. So, uh, listen, I would recommend you close the show with some jazz because that's very big with the NPR demo. Yeah, yeah, what whatever. But I'm going to I'm gonna pick it. But, you know, the, right. the thing about the, the Kickstarter thing, I think we could use, I and mean, we need to raise some money for an air conditioner because it smells kind of like a well-worn jock strap in here. We yeah. need more women at least. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Hey, could you guys pick? The, the yeah the CD that I the jazz CD that I, it was in the stack over there can that one yeah okay that one all right so uh, all righty um, I'm Spud Goodman be all that you can be and I mean that God bless and ciao here's the great one Thelonious Monk with Boulevard Blues later. been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show, a portentous harbinger of what the Internet of Things has in store for us all. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. The executive producer is Lori Madsen. Video director is TJ Pites. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.
an hour of the best of Northwest music. This is an hour of sterling conversation. This is an hour of analysis of the previous hour of the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Hello, 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 everybody. My name is Lawrence, and welcome to the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Now, we have a great show for you tonight because we're going to be reviewing everything that went on in the first hour there. Now, I'm going to show you that on this hour, we're not going to be doing those uh, NPR Kickstarter campaign or something like that. Thank See, God. we can play the same music we always do because you know what? There's no way the Post Show Report's ever going to get on NPR. No way. But, nah, nah, well, you know, unless there was like a Mad Max apocalypse or something like that. Then it's possible it could happen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. good. Now, what you hear right here tonight is um, the co-host. Once again, we got Derek here. Hey, Derek, how are you doing tonight? You know, I've never been better. I'm relieved we can play our own music and not some playlist from Starbucks-swelling Volvo-driving consultants. As far as me co-hosting again, it is reassuring to know that Talon wins out over affirmative action. Super. Mm. Yep. I will just say that at last our executive producer has wised up and not gone out and got a token woman to be the co-host just to meet some imaginary demographic wait, target. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, Derek. You know, having a female co-host, that's the right thing to do because, you know, women, they earn 77 cents for every dollar that men earn. You know, they're really misunderrepresented in on-air positions in the media, you know. Well, you know, except if they're blonde and they're not intel- intellectually curious. And Fox, they represent them. They single-handedly hire the subset of the human race. Uh, that subset, so they're more they're represented there. Well, I'm not blonde, but I am curious about a lot of things. Like, why are people saying all the bees are dying off when, we've got, when I got stung twice this month? Super. Yeah, yeah. Tell, me, tell me how that happens. I don't know, Derek. I don't have the answer to that. You know, maybe you just, just wear long pants and a hoodie when you're mowing lawn, you know? I don't know. I'm already kind of sweaty. I'm just saying I'm curious about stuff. That's an important quality for someone to have on a radio show, especially a co-host. I've never heard of any of the women we've brought onto the show to be the co-host express any curiosity about the world at large. And specifically about bees. Bees are a hot topic, man. None of the women co-hosting you ever brought up bees. Well, you know, I, I don't know. See, maybe they just weren't curious enough about bees, you know, but... but uh... You know, they brought something else to the show that you can never replicate, you know, like a feminine president presence, you know, since uh, most of the listeners, they're male. They're 27 to 54. Most yeah. of them, they like women, you know. Super. Now, against you, Derek, or, or your manliness, but the studio is full of sweaty guys. So, you know, we need uh, some of those guys need to check their hygiene, I got to tell you. Well, I mean, I'm not going to call anybody out on the air myself because nah, he's he, just an intern. But how much does a bar of Irish Spring cost anyway? I'd kick in on that fundraising campaign effort. Uh, you know, since we're talking about uh, crowdsourcing and fundraising, you know, that, that this the uh, Spud Goodman show tonight, they examined the possibility of launching a Kickstarter campaign to, you know, get the show on NPR and all that stuff. You know, I know it, it kind of sounds like a pipe dream, but stranger things have happened. I'd you know, say. I can't really see Spud's show on NPR. Those people would no. not get him. I'm pretty sure that. I, I, mean, I don't even get him. Yeah, well, I, I, I listen to NBR. I'm a fan myself, and, and I check out his show if it's on there, you know? So, you know, I'm going to listen. I'm going to introduce the panel here. Let's see what they have to say on the topic. So, so uh, give me a thumbs up or down if, uh, if you think the Spud show is a good fit for NPR. What do you say, Dave? Uh, well, I mean, Car Talk was a good fit for NPR, so I, who knows? 
Oh, you think if Cod Talk could do it, Spud could do it? Yeah, maybe if he got someone with an exotic accent like those guys had. Oh, yeah, well, maybe. So. What do you say, Mike? I don't think we're old enough yet to be on NPR. Oh, you think he needs a seasoning, huh? All right, well, you know what? How about, how about you, Trent? Trent, you got something to say about that? You got your college, I don't know man. what NPR is. I'm just here for college credit. Uh, well, I thought that was a college crowd like NPR. All right. Well, you know, um, I'll tell you what. I, I don't know. W- what do you think? I I just think that Spud annoys most people. And I think we're lucky that anybody's listening right now to the poster report. I'm really just trying to be honest. Yeah, you know you know what? You're going to get a memo. I'm, I know that you're going to get a memo from Lori Madsen on that one. You know, you really watch it there. I changed my email, so I think, uh, I think uh, I'm good on that one. not a bad idea for you. Right. Let's get to the show going, and we're going to get some music going here. Now, we're going to lead off with a, a favorite tune of Spurs, and this one goes back a few years. It's from Dale the Funky Homo Sapien and his tune, Mr. Dobelina. And after that, we have a long, defunct, great Northwest band, Green River, and their song, Ozzy. I know I'm drunk now. Ladies and gentlemen, I, for, I forgot my favorite man sitting over there. His name is Mr. Doubleina, Mr. Bob Doubleina. Mr. Doubleina, Mr. Bob Doubleina. Mr. Doubleina, Mr. Bob Doubleina. Mr. Mr. Doubleina, Mr. Bob Doubleina. Mr. Doubleina, Mr. Bob Doubleina. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, won't you quit? You really make me sick with your fraudulent behavior. You're gonna make me flip and then an army couldn't save you. Why don't you behave, you little rug rat? Take a little tip from the tabloid. Because I know I'm not paranoid when I say I saw you trying to mock me. Now you and your crew are on a mission trying to hawk me. But it isn't happening, you fraudulent foes. You used to front big time, now I suppose that everything's cool since the style of apparel you adopted. You used to make fun of, but now you wanna rock it. So you gotta kick it with the homies, but DEL is already hip to your cronies. Me and CMP thought about this, and never have we seen a brother who would have a like Mr. 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 Dabalina. Stop the 
Mr. Dabalina Because you don't impress me, Dabalina The style of dress is not the key, Dabalina It's on the mind and the heart So you should start by remembering You gotta pay a fee, Dabalina to tell me how to live or what to do. Look at me, Rick. I'm not just a little girl anymore. I'm a woman.
Todd Goodman, Post Show Report. Hey, Derek. Now this is where you really, really shine. This so, is this is my this is my bread and butter right here. Thing right here. This is the thing. So uh, our first highlight of the night, we've got Antonio Fargas uh, talking about how when he left to go to Hollywood to get cast for Starsky and Hutch. Antonio, I should disclose I've long been a huge Huggy Bear fan as you were the best thing on Starsky and Hutch, which was was a very cool show. But I want to begin this with a question about your early work in film. For instance, Cleopatra Jones, Foxy Brown, and you're also in Shaft, right? (laughs) You know, and and I did a film film called Across 110th Street with Yafet Koto and Anthony Quinn and, and Tony Franciosa. Wow. And the guy who directed that show, was named, that movie, was Barry Shear. I did it in New York. I was just a young, hungry actor and uh, playing all these, you know, character parts that I, you know, that, that, that sort of came from, from me watching life in, in New York uh, and representing those street characters. So I, I played that role in there. His name was Henry J. Right. And uh, and then when I get to Hollywood after, you know, saying knowing that I had to go to Hollywood and if I wanted to do television and all that. And I'm a hungry actor in New York and in, in L.A. in 1974. And I get a call from 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 Aaron Spelling and uh, my agent saying that Barry Shear was recommended me and he was directing a pilot for ABC television called Starsky and Hutch. Wow. And and so that's how that that happened. You know something, Dick? There What's are that? a lot of Huggy Bear wannabes in the joint, I tell you, you know. Is that so? Oh, yeah, they would be, you know, they'd all dress the part. They'd just, be, you know, get their pimp on. But the people, the ones who were like the method actors, they were informants, too. They, they tried Super. to do both. They wanted to juggle. They really wanted to live the Huggy Bear role. Okay. Yeah, you should have seen it. They were just wild and pimping. They had a contest once. Who was the best huggy bear? Yeah, and, and you got you got free hostess pies if you what? won that contest. I, I didn't do it because, you know, I, I, I just don't have the swagger for that. Hmm. So, free pies. Yeah, free pies. You know, Super. They're, they're, they're up the competition right there. So we're going to get back to some more music. You know, well, we're going to start off with uh, Coma Girl. That's by Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. And after that, we got Bruce Springsteen. Speaking of Joe Strummer, we got Bruce Springsteen playing live at Hyde Park in England with London Calling. Festival way out west. I was thinking about love and the acid test. First I got real dizzy with a real rockin' gang And then I saw the coma girl On the excitement gang And the rain came in from the white blue yonder Through all the stages I wandered Oh, coma girl On the excitement gang Burning down a bugger van 
somebody was wailing up there. Ripping the teen steam dead And the rain came in from the white blue yonder I thought you and me might wander Oh, come go And the excitement gang Mom, Lisa On a motorcycle gang Thou was falling upon desolation road. So my love burned at the last drop on the gold. Let's siphon up some gas. Let's get this show on the road. Said the coma go to the excitement gang. Into action, everybody sprang. The old drums were beating out to lang, to lang. Oh, on the excitement gang. Oh, Lisa, on a motorcycle gang.
Stay tuned for more of the Spud Goodman Post-Show Report. Welcome back to the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. You know, that that was so right. Let's do it again. <laughs> you want to go round two? Yeah, let's do round let's two. Let's go round two. Yeah. All right. So for round two, we've got our new segment, the Out of This World Highlight, where Spud talks to a psychic about contacting dead people. But I think in this clip, I think Spud got a little confused and asked about somebody that's not dead yet. Hmm. Right. Well, true. do you only communicate with smart dead people? Do you converse with some of history's dummies like General Custer or, or say, Dick Cheney? Who well, I know he's still technically alive, but I say he's a cyborg or something at this point. Um, you may find this very interesting and out of this world, but um, Mr. Cheney is actually uh, completely controlled. He's not he's, – he's human, but he's controlled by a um, – uh, now uh, this goes into a long story. Um, he's actually controlled by some um, um, aliens called reptilians. Um, they've oh, um, super. They've controlled him for quite some time. Uh, he's actually not in full full um, um, control of his uh, free will. Um, for for people like that, um, you well, it, it it goes into a long story about what's going on in this planet with the extraterrestrials. I've been in contact with with some extraterrestrials from what's called the Galactic Alliance. They're a benevolent, um, uh, very benevolent. You know, that makes that makes so much sense. I've always, you know what, much to the chagrin of my friends, I've always, you know, felt that Dick Cheney was a great guy deep down. Yeah. And now, really? and now we know why. Because he's being controlled he's by... He's being controlled by reptilians. By, by lizards and geckos and... Yeah, know. by alien lizards. That... Explains everything. That does kind of. That's a big weight off my shoulders. Yeah, that 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 pacemaker must be some sort of like a subspace radio receiver. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's right, and that's why he can't. The guy said he can't make his own choices. Isn't that right? That the the aliens make him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The aliens are going to direct him. He's just sort of along for the ride, I guess. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. I I thought he was controlled by like monkeys or something, but. That's why he's always kind of grimacing. You ever, you ever, you ever notice that? I did notice that. Yeah, maybe that's what got him. My, oh man, what that exp- that does fill in a lot of blanks. Poor control, Dick. Controlled by iguanas and whatnot. Poor God, and that was running our country. Wow, I'm surprised. All right, well, you know, let's get back to some music. This after that craziness, uh, we're gonna do a song that's recorded live on Spud Goodman's show back in 2014. 
It's from the very talented singer-songwriter Star Anna. Now, this woman, she's a major talent, and you know, we suggest that you catch it live any chance you get. And after that, we got a band from Brooklyn. It's the Streets of Laredo, and their tune is Girlfriend. But first, we're going to start off with Star Anna. I got a good man way over town. Yeah, he's good to me. Oh, yeah. I got a good man way over town. He's good to me.
one complaining I'm scrubbing floors, now I'm the one complaining Trying to make some money so I can see the lady Statue of Liberty, what you gonna give to me? She's my girlfriend, yeah Goodman post show report. Do we do we have somebody on the line? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just find out. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Let's caller? let's put this through. Yeah, caller. Am I on? Hello. Yeah, caller. Yeah, yeah. You're on the air here, caller. Is Derek there? Oh yeah, yeah, Derek. Yeah, he's in the studio with me here. Are you live on the Spud Goodman post show report now? Now, what's on your mind tonight? I, I just wanted to call in and say that Derek is the best thing on this show. He's so funny and witty and likable. Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm not going to hey. disagree with you with all that you're saying. He's talented and all that stuff. But is that is that, is that just is that the only thing you wanted to say? Well, he's way better than any of those women you had on the show as co-hosts. Um, I've heard you say the producer yeah. feels a female voice is needed on the show. But I couldn't disagree more. That as women super. are not highly super. overrated. Now, don't get me wrong yeah. here. I'm married... I love my mom, but on the radio, people want to hear a guy I, who tells it like know, it I is. I don't know and about I, that. I don't know about you loving your wife and your mom, because, you know, you sound kind of like one of these sexist, Neanderthal cavemans. Uh, look, I'm going to speak for myself here, and there's no disrespect to Derek and all that, no but I find a, a radio or TV show full of only male personalities, it gets kind of dull, you know, and women... That they bring something special to you know just about everything in life, you know. And I Super. speak from extensive experience 
because I was in the joint with only men. That's all there was. They didn't have co-ed prisons in this country. So, you know, I'm not going to lie. Besides not smelling as good, you know, having women around, it just, just brings a, a total a, a different perspective. You know what I'm saying, right? You know, and the men are from Mars and women from B, from Venus book, you know, that one there, that, that, that the author there, that one, he put, didn't pull that out of his butt because diversity is a good thing. I mean, I'm sorry to preach, but... I embrace but, diversity. All right, but super. Derek is way more talented than any of those female co-hosts you've had on the last few months. It's not right that he's not now the permanent co-host of the show. Well, I can't disagree with him. No, there. no, yeah, thank no, you, no. We're, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one, caller, because you know we got to move on here. Hey, thanks for checking in with us. We appreciate your call. I just have a couple more things to get in before you cut me off. Like Derek is so smart, he should probably be a Mensa member. He also has the best beard in this area, at least. Maybe the whole country, too. Yeah. And he's a very funny comedian who has killed at open mic. Uh, okay, and all right, all right, all right, we get it. You dig, Derek. Uh, thank you for your input. Yeah, we hey, just gotta... can, we, can we let the guy finish? I mean, what, what's he trying to say here? Hmm. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. So I think that's just about all I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, one last thing. Derek is also a really good bowler. He's one of the top bowlers in our league. His average is almost 170 for real. Uh, that's yeah. that's nice. That's nice. All right. Now, now goodbye, uh, man. You know, it's it's nice to know that people are listening out there and appreciating what I bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, but super, you know what? Let's, let's just get back to some music here. You know, I, I say we're going to begin with uh, the 60s icon Ricky Nelson and his tune, Believe What You Say, and then... We have Northwest treasure Tad Doyle and his old band Tad with a classic trash truck. I believe what you say when you say you're going steady with nobody else but me. I believe what you say when you say you don't kiss nobody else but me. I believe, do believe, I believe, yeah, I believe, pretty baby. Believe you're going steady with nobody else but me Well, there's one thing, baby, that I want you to know When you're rocking with me, gonna rock too slow Move on and get toe-to-toe We're gonna rock till we can't rock no more I believe, do believe, I believe Yeah, believe, pretty baby Believe you're going steady with nobody else but me Well, let's dig it now Well, I believe what you say when you say you don't miss nobody else but me. I believe what you say when you say you don't kiss nobody else but me. I believe, do believe, I believe, yeah, believe, pretty baby. Believe you're going steady with nobody else but me. Well, when you kiss me, baby, then you roll your eyes. I get a funny feeling that I'm hypnotized. Chills run all up and down my spine. Everybody that you mind on mine, I believe, do believe, yeah, believe, oh, believe, pretty baby, believe you're going steady with nobody else but me, oh, yeah, oh, well, I believe, do believe, yeah, believe, well, believe, pretty baby, believe you're going steady with nobody else but me.
I might call you double duty Derek tonight. This is it, man. This yeah. is this is the third and final. Yeah, let's see what you got. So our final highlight tonight comes from Josh Wolf talking about his experience hosting Sharks After Dark and his experiences with his guest Tara Reed. Well, Josh, you once hosted a show for the Discovery Channel called Shark After Dark, and that must have been a cool experience because I'm heavily into anything with shark or tornado attached to it. So pretty cool. It was actually the my favorite thing that I've done yet. It was a live, hour-long talk show where we talked about sharks, which I like. Um, and we had people come on, like we had shark attack survivors. We had them, and they came on and told us about their experiences. It was a crazy show, uh, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I won't be doing it this year. I'm a little bummed out. Uh, if you hear some beeping, I just got in my car. Do you hear that? Oh, that's cool. That's fine. We, we deal with people in all sorts of different settings. Um, um, no yeah, I mean, last year on Shark After Dark, uh, one of the guys from The Walking Dead stabbed me with a knife. Whoa. Which one? Yeah, it was amazing. Which cast member? Um, um, Abraham, Michael Cutlett. Okay, all right, super. Uh, but you never had any tornado uh, uh, situations attached to the sharks, though, right? It was just strictly sharks? Well, Tara Reid came on the show. Okay, there you go. Super. All right. If you want, if you want to get an afternoon or an evening chuckle, Go on the YouTube, yes, which is on the which is on the internet, yes, and go on there and go ahead and Google Tara Reid, Shark After Dark interview, and her brain basically broke in the middle of the interview, but it was fun to watch. Oh, we like those kind of situations. All right, I already wrote that down. All right, so I'm there as soon as uh, the show's over with tonight. Um, well. That's all about sharks. Is that what that is? Sharks? Yeah. I don't like me some sharks. I got a phobia about sharks. Yeah, you know, in the joint, they, everybody had shark tattoos, and I had to, it took me a long time to stop trembling, and I had to try to be strong every time I saw a shark tattoo. But Maybe they could tame it down a little and, like, have dogfish. Dogfish? Do dogfish after dark. It still has a little ring to it. It's very alliterative, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so scared of dogfish. I'm just a little bit nervous, but not like big sharks. It's dogfish after dark. Ooh, nice. Boy, they ought to make a nice little... You could do that on NPR. You yeah. get the dogfish after dark, get Spud to do a little bit of that, and then you, you got your fundraiser There right we there. go. Yes, yeah. yes. You do that. I see. I'm asked for a raise now. We're going to start calling you the dogfish. Who, uh, I think that should be I've, Dave, I've, Dave's I've had nickname. worse nicknames. Dogfish Dave. Boy, if we can make that stick, Dick, nice, nice thinking. There you go. We're going we're to make here. it stick. All right. Oh, well, you're going to be Dogfish Dave out throughout these next tunes here. We're going to listen to a couple more. We're going to lead off with legendary Portland band from the 80s, Billy Rancher and the Unreal Gods. But I got to tell you, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. He died very young in his mid-20s. Back in 1986, he had lymphoma. lymphoma. Let, let him rest in peace. A very short time, though, he made his mark in the Northwest music scene. And today, we still miss him. After that, we have uh, something from a band called Purple, and it's titled Wallflower. All right, Dogfish Dave, hit play. <laughs> Thank you. 
This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Hey, Lawrence, I know it's getting late in the show. Yeah. But they're telling us we have a call. It's uh it's accordion Joe. That is oh, not super. Oh, okay, all right. Well, we, we, we got a second. Let's let's put him on. Okay. Am I finally on the air? I called yeah. fifty times during Spud Show in the first hour. Do you guys have caller ID or what? As no one would pick up. I wanted to put in my two cents worth about the plan to move this show to NPR. Well, you know what? It's a dumb, stupid idea if you ask Super. me. Well, I mean, nothing personal, Joe, but nobody asked you. You know, Joe, I, I don't think they raised anywhere near the amount of money that they needed to make it happen. You know, last I looked, they only raised like 27 bucks. Uh, actually, no, it's uh, $24 now. Some guy had his card denied by the bank. Oh. Hey, listen. It's a known fact that those snobby NPR people don't appreciate the accordion. I mean, come on, it's the music for the masses. I mean, real Americans love the accordion. That's right. I'm an American, and I enjoy listening to you play that accordion. Go ahead and mark me down as a hater. I find the accordion to be the second most grating instrument. Okay. All right. Super. Number one is the uh, triangle, if anybody's curious. Derek, no one cares about you, what you prefer, dude. So, Lawrence, could I play a quick song here? I've been practicing all day hoping to get a chance to play it tonight. Yeah, yeah, well, if you make it quick, go ahead. Uh, I think I read in a memo last month that we weren't supposed to let him play live on the show anymore. What? Yeah. Listen, you chumps, it's not about how great the sound quality is, man. The music comes from the heart. If you want perfect sound, go put on a headphones and slap on a dark side of the moon. But crying out loud, the accordion is the most personal and intimate instrument known to man. So, can I play the damn song or what? Yes, yes, you just gotta make it quick. Alright, here you go. I guess that's it. We're out of time now. So, you know, th- thanks, Cody and Joe. I'm, I'm just sad that, uh, okay. you know, we got to wrap it up. I hope we enjoyed the program. I think it was pretty darn good. What do you think, uh, what do you think, Derek? Yeah, I mean, it was okay. I mean, aside from Cody okay. and Joe and maybe too much music and not enough of an opportunity for me to really establish uh, my on-air Super. persona. Um, I, uh, I understand you have a role to fill as the host, Lawrence, but maybe next time you could just be a little more generous. Share some airtime with me. Well, you know, you might want to take that up with the executive producer because I got a few texts during the broadcast and she was strongly encouraging me to limit your rambling off and incoherent observations. And I'm just saying, that's, what? that's just coming from the top. It's, that's not me. I'm Don't kill the messenger. I don't buy that. It could have easily been Spud texting you saying he was her. He's never liked me. No, no, Spud, you know, I'm positive he's not smart enough to know how to call with Lori's personal cell number. Come on, man. Don't don't make me show you the text. She's kind of ranty in her statements about you. I'm warning you. You know, uh, you, you're kind of sensitive, me, easily offended. No, no. Let, let me see them. They could come in handy if I have to make my situation to the FCC, the EOC, or the FHA or something FHA, like that. FHA, they don't handle mortgages. You know, I, I can't show you my phone. It's not going to happen. Come on, you know? show it. No, no, just it's not going to happen. Show That's me a the couple truth. of them. No, no, this, this is not going to happen. Well, you know what? We're just going to thank our, our producers for tonight. Sorry to offend you here, but we got to thank Dave, our soundboard. Wonderful experience as always. It's very pleasing for us too, and you're, you're spot on. And Mike, of course, we appreciate your work. And you know, 
always got to tell you. Thank you. You're very welcome, and thank you, and thank you. Uh, Trent, you know, uh, we appreciate it, but just lay off weed and hard liquor until you get to your late 20s, all right? I'm just here for college credit. Uh, you're just here so you don't get fined. That's right. All right, well, we're going to leave you with this last song from Tommy Bruce titled Monster Gonzalez. Good night, everybody. Let's play it, Dogfish Dave. Report is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Associate producer, David Deer. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Audio highlights, Derek Schneider. Our interns are Anna Howell and Trent Botello. Theme music composed and performed by Brian J. Martin. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Dogfish Dave. Dogfish Dave.